0: When you think about business competition, where are you focused? Your town, your states, across the country? You need to be concerned with competitors around the world. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, you'll hear about the mega trends in global business and how they affect your organization, as well as explore issues, solutions, and some amazing facts about business worldwide. Now, here is your host, Mahesh Joshi.
1: Welcome to global business with Mahesh Joshi. Today we are going to talk about the rising economic power, India, and specifically the startup scenario in India. I have with me K Ganesh. Ganesh is a successful entrepreneur with several successful greenfield ventures and exits. He currently runs GrowthStory.IN, a leading venture builder platform that promotes and incubates new ventures. Over the last few years, Growth Story has promoted leading companies like BigBasket.com, India's largest e-grocery company, Portia Medical, India's largest and fastest growing home healthcare company with 4,000 plus employees and operations across 16 cities in India, Bluestain.com, a leading online jewelry company, Fresh Menu, India's largest B2C food tech company, HomeLane, India's leading end-to-end, vertically integrated interior design and manufacturing provider. Hungerbox, India's largest B2B food tech platform, serving over 400,000 orders a day. Verloop.io, an artificial intelligence and machine learning solutions provider, and Homescreen Network, a vernacular digital media company. His last venture to Tavista was acquired by U.S. and U.K. listed education leader Pearson for more than $200 million. Ganesh actively mentors and incubates and funds startups. His angel investments include Little iLabs, which was acquired by Facebook in January 2014. Uh, Deliver.com, acquired by Big Basket in 2015. hackerith CredR, Pocket. Silver Push, Dark Spot, Vogo, Bolo, etc. He's also a very popular speaker at entrepreneurship, startup, and technology events. He has been recognized as one of the iconic entrepreneurs of India. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Yoshi. And I have with me Ganesh uh, from Growth Story. Hi, uh, Ganesh, uh, I just wanted to capture from you as India is... Uh, on the path to become an economic superpower. What is the current scenario with startups?
2: Yeah, startups, uh, Mahesh and India are going through a very uh, transformational uh, phase now, okay, right? To use a cliche, we are really seeing uh, age of disruption uh, in the startup ecosystem. Uh, India, if you know, has been seen slow, average, uh, what we call uh, jokingly as Hindu rate of growth in the economy. Things, have been, things were stable for a long time. We had big firms, established brands, mass media, television, uh, what we call as the license Raj, which was a controlled economy. Uh, big industrial houses had a field day. Almost anemic and non-existent competition was there. But all that has changed completely now. Now what we are seeing, courtesy startups, courtesy new age, business models, new companies, is we are seeing an age of disruptors. New leaders are emerging. Uh, Again, the buzzword is unicorns, uh, which is a name for uh, companies that are valued at more than a billion dollars—dollars, dollars, by the way—you know take it takes far in India. It's not equal to rupees. We are talking about billion dollars is close to seven thousand crores of Indian rupees. Um, unicorns have come. Uh, what's happening? The companies are being built ground up with not physical but digital infrastructure, building on the internet, mobiles, mobile phones becoming very cheap, India has got today perhaps the lowest data bandwidth rates in the world. So we are seeing digital infrastructure has leapfrogged in the country which was always lacked and today also is lacking physical infrastructure. So that has given the ability for companies and the brands to reach the consumers directly on their mobile phone which is connected to the internet with almost free data bandwidth courtesy. Some of the telecom companies that do that. So what's happening is the companies are scaling exponentially, building everything on their own. When I say that means a full stack company, the sourcing, logistics, brand, marketing, everything companies are building. So all these changes have happened today, leading to the disruption, leading to uh, the new India.
1: And the good part is probably they are not carrying the old biases whatever they're doing is new thought process and they're building the processes in the process of building the businesses and maybe they are looking at the most efficient manner to use that money which is available to them as a startup.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think what has happened is because of this digital infrastructure leapfrogging in India across the nooks and corners of India you get internet almost at free rates has made it possible for people to reach. Uh, Let me talk about uh, three black swan type of events that have happened in the last say two to three years that has made this possible. One is the, the data bandwidth rates going down courtesy Reliance Industries launching a geotelecom telecom service at a ridiculously almost free rate with all the other private telecom operators coming in. So the rate is free. Internet is available almost all across India, that's one Black Swan event. Second is due to demonetization, which depending on which side of the government you are, you can criticize or support, due to demonetization, even a vegetable vendor, even a roadside vendor, shopkeeper has started using digital payments on the mobile. So the mobile payment, payment wallet, digital payment has mushroomed overnight because of a demonetization move that the current government brought in. The third is the government, the telecom sector, the private companies have worked worked towards bringing inclusion in finance through FinTech solutions. Today, it is possible in India for me to get as low as 10 cents from a villager far away, instantly transferred on the mobile with almost no cost. If I had to tell you this three years back, it would have been impossible because Indian, that villager would not have had a credit card, would not, doesn't know how to do online payment. There is no way I can collect any money from that villager, and therefore, there is no way I can do any commerce with him. But this entire Indian government initiative, we call it loosely as India Stack, which includes a payment interface, which includes mobile payments, which includes um, government sponsored. uh, digital payment gateways, all of those put together has made it possible to have micro payments from remotest places almost at zero cost instantaneously done. So these, these three, if you had told me five years back, I would have said would have would be 25 years out in India to come in. But because of some of the events, the, this ecosystem has got created so that people can build on this, build for the new India, using the fact that you can reach a remote person directly because he's on the internet, consuming internet, because he can do micro payments almost at zero cost without worrying about credit card, without worrying about bank checks, clearing and all of that stuff and at very low cost. So we can build all models using this infrastructure and these developments to solve core pain points which People have today, and believe me, in India we have a lot of pain points. Huh? While all this is good, a lot of things are broken in India. Access to basic facilities is challenging. But fortunately, for entrepreneurs using these, we can we can solve those problems. We have companies, for example, in the online grocery space, in the healthcare space, which some way or the other use all of this. The other the the other corollary of this is I can use the information, access, and data available to reduce inefficiencies, to increase utilization, to aggregate more demand. For example, one of our companies, Big Basket and E-Grocery, India's largest E-Grocery company, uh, gets from the farm to home in a matter of eight hours the products. What it does? Fresh products, no storage costs, no leakage due to storage, no wastage due to so storage. The farmer gets the current price. instead of full supply chain. There are no middlemen. There are no distributors. There are no dealers. The customer gets better price, fresh produce. Farmer gets better price. The middlemen get eliminated. All this is possible because we have a direct connect with the farmer. Directly selling to consumer I can predict demand because we are a e-commerce company It's a e-grocery company and I can plan my stocks with just in time inventory. And so the traditional system of Markets wholesale markets wholesalers transporters go downs all that has got completely disrupted again to use a cliche
1: That's 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 amazing. If you look at uh, Ganesh, what you pointed out these are the factors which can really make a country uh, grow economically. But as you said, in, in, the, in the farming sector itself, how much of waste you've eliminated. Not, not, not only the middleman where the, the, the money was being lost or the consumer was paying or the farmer was losing that money, which is due to him. It is a waste. If you can reach in eight hours, you can deliver a fresh produce without even freezing it or using multiple storage points. So that's, that's brilliant. And second is, as you rightly said it has improved the productivity and third is uh, getting payment is one part of the business to make it easy or difficult if you can get the payment the way you gave an example of you in 10 cents it makes the business doing in that geography area very easy so all of them contribute so much into that the whole nation being productive and the waste being eliminated so. No,
2: absolutely, uh, absolutely. So if you take, for example, just agriculture that you rightly mentioned, we are seeing an emergence of a new wave. It's still a nascent stage, so I must, I must put that as a caveat. Uh, India is an agri- agrarian economy, 60% of the households are involved in agriculture. So, and, and the technology in agriculture, courtesy of these Black Swan events I talked about, has got the potential to address the challenges. And government fortunately has seen that. They have, they, 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 they have done an agricultural grant challenge program. They have set up some incubation, mentoring, and access facilities for farmers. There's a farmer. There's a program called agri Udan program. Uh, a dedicated agricultural, Agri-Tech infrastructure fund has been set up. All early stages. We need to see the effects of it. But uh, something like a e-national agricultural market uh, portal has been set up. So what this does is it addresses the. Key issues of increasing productivity, improving the market access, things like weather forecasting, for example. I can do that. A fintech platform can connect farmers digitally. Farming as a service, where I can actually make rental models to farmers for multiple things so that the capital expenses comes down. I talked about e commerce removing the middlemen for the farmers. And not just that, even in high tech, nanotechnologies, for example. You are, you, you, we are experimenting with things like nano capsules, nanoparticles, okay? Viral capsules to cure diseases, increase the nutrient absorption of the soil by doing the right amount of nutrient at the right time. So IoT and big data can actually facilitate data collection and decision making using drones and sensor to see the cor- crop and what is the health of the crop. Precision farming or smart machines. Exactly how much of fertilizer to put at what point of time, what inputs are needed at the right time so that you are able to maximize productivity. So the it is agriculture as a sector is so uh, unders- underserved by technology that the potential is, I think, huge. I think all that has been made possible by this and India can actually show the world the way to be able to do it.
1: Perfect. Uh, Ganesh, we'll take a short break now and we'll continue our discussion after the break.
3: For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi.
0: This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. And I have with me Ganesh uh, from Growth Story. And we are having discussions about the role of startups in the economic growth of India. In first segment, we talked about uh, what's the current scenario, and we'll continue with that. Ganesh, very interesting. You talked about how the productivity and ease of business is increasing through the digital story of India. Uh, Let's continue from there.
2: Yeah, so I think uh, because of the digital infrastructure, which has grown by leaps and bounds, and I would say almost uh, at world-class levels at very, very affordable cost, we are seeing uh, models where using internet, using technology, using mobile phones, using data, we are trying to solve some of the perennial core problems in India. We talked about agriculture and use of technology there to reduce wastage and uh, to, to, to increase productivity uh, and get better yields and better uh, realization for the farmer. The other area is... Uh, healthcare, right? If you look at uh, healthcare in India, it is unfortunate that the public or the government-funded healthcare system is really a failure, correct? Okay? It's dysfunctional, this is unfortunate. Unlike some of the countries like UK, for example, where the NHS is very, very strong, uh, here most of the people are not insured and the government system is very poor. So if you look at healthcare, uh, the three mainstays of healthcare, quality, accessibility and affordability, all of that we have a challenge in India, okay, right? India has got poor healthcare infrastructure, only only 0.9 beds, less than one bed per thousand patients, a very low doctor to patient ratio, I mean, 0.6 doctors per thousand patients. Now, you need something disruptive, something that is a game changer to be able to address this. Otherwise, it's not gonna change, okay, right? i think that is where health tech or technology in healthcare has got huge potential i mean if you, i mean th- things like because we have a large population we can collect large data so the healthcare analytics getting into the realm of predictive analytics online health because india is such a distributed country we talked about how internet and um, uh, data bandwidth cost is low and internet is available i can actually do teleconsult i can do I can have a remote villager on the mobile phone which already has got an internet which is almost free talk to a specialist doctor in a metropolitan city which is possible today. I can do re- I, I can do remote monitoring, right? So, there are a lot of these ills. what I talked about in terms of low doctor to patient ratio. A doctor does not want to go to a tier 2, tier 3 cities, leave alone a village. His quality of life will be poor. His kids will not get education there. So, all the doctors are in top tier one, tier two cities. So what do you do with a villager? So a, 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 a telehealth can actually solve that particular problem. We already have business models and startup doing teleradiology in India because you have radiologists are in huge demand and very short supply. Today you have remote centers where the teleradiology is happening. So the X-rays are being loaded from there and is being analyzed at a metro from a, as by a radiologist at his free time, and the report is getting uploaded. So I think the, the, the entire entire potential for healthcare using technology is humongous in a country like India.
1: I think this is this is amazing. And so the, the word you use, uh, 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 telemedicine or telehealth, and not not only patients used to go to a doctor to be physically there to get checked up. You can do that, but another important point uh, you you mentioned uh, along with telehealth is the amount of data you have, you can even provide analytics on predict- prediction or use the analytics for predicting a disease spread. Or if you see some trends building up, and that's amazing for a country like India where there are billions of people living. You need to control if, if there is an epidemic coming and that's where the data collection, analytics will be very, very helpful.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And today you have uh, advances in machine learning and artificial intelligence and high-end analytics can help you actually cr- crunch the numbers. So look at it almost like as if magically various things are coming together. You are collecting data at a much faster space because of sensors and IOTs and all of those. You have almost free internet data bandwidth that makes you possible to capture. Advancement in A and ML can actually work now because you have humongous data, which, for instance, is not possible in a smaller country. Okay, when you have a country of, European country or New Zealand or something with 2 million, 3 million population, how many of those people are going to be affected with a particular disease? How much of data can they generate? Okay, right? So you need... You need for analytics and for AI, ML to be able to do predictive stuff, you require humongous data, which is possible today, right? which was impossible um, uh, earlier because of the uh, advancement in AI and ML. So I think that is huge. So uh, that takes me to the next topic that we are seeing a huge convergence of various emerging technologies AI, robotics, IoT is the new tomorrow, right? And we have talked about uh, seeing how robots are being used, but surgical robots to be able to actually do surgery is possible today. IOTs uh, in Portia Medical, which is our home healthcare company where we do geriatric care and elder care, we are experimenting with wearable devices, point of care devices so that people can live their life, especially the sunset years of their life, with dignity. Okay, how do you do that? For for people who are chronic, terminally ill, or just getting old, people are living longer and longer. Longevity is increasing. So if you're going to be in our 80s and 90s living, which is what is happening today, we need all kinds of help and support to live our life with dignity and not be dependent on somebody else. Their point-of-care devices, wearable devices which can monitor, which can send out signals wherever there is some correction needs to be done, is possible. Today, if you have a cell phone, smartphone in your pocket, and if you fall down, I can actually know that because the level has changed. The rate at which you have fallen down as compared to sitting down quietly or lying down quietly, can be estimated just by the phone which you already have and invested in your pocket. All that I need is a program to be able to capture it. The phone that you have is almost like a supercomputer, not just with a camera, with a level, with a sensor, with a motion sensor, all of that is there. So for us to be able to use existing investment that already the consumer has done, like a smartphone, and use the Wi-Fi and the internet that is there to be able to monitor an elderly patient, and, 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 and uh, raise an alarm uh, is eminently possible. You don't even have to have sophisticated equipment.
1: It's amazing. And um, this, uh, this is amazing how you can use a simple device uh, like uh, phones. And I can see here, uh, Ganesh, where you are focused, you are looking at uh, the problems which you can find solution for. Maybe that's your uh, uh, success mantra. But one thing I was listening to you, I was relating, that even in the farming sector, you are looking at productivity. You are trying to avoid the waste. Now, if you link with what you just talked about, healthcare, it's amazing. So if we can make in remote locations in farms, farmers healthy, their productivity still remains up or it probably goes up because they're not missing their work days and they're being more productive using the technology which you just talked about. And then whatever they produce is, you are helping them to take quickly to the market, getting them the right rates, you are helping them not only being prosperous. You are keeping them happy. You are keeping them healthy also. That's amazing. This is this is one of the perfect solution emerging here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. See, the challenge is most of the diseases that Indians are afflicted with, especially uh, not the rich metro uh, main cities people living those, but people living in tier two, tier three, three villages. The main challenge is access. They, as you pointed out, they have to give up two days of their earning livelihood to come to a city to see a doctor or a specialist. Today, today we can get the devices at the remote places where they are there, do the first level of checking and assessment and help prevent deterioration of the disease, whether it is cataract, whether it is uh, diabetes and take corrective action then and there, including sending only those people who are serious to the main city for fixing. Cataract as an example, as a eye problem, can be easily fixed if it's detected and corrected. Getting the right lens, getting the right treatment for your eye is possible if I'm able to have the first screening done remotely. Similarly, we have companies that are got very affordable cancer screening facility, including breast cancer. There are startups that are focusing on detecting cancer using AI and ML. Okay. So there are leaps and bounds in advancement. The advantage of India is that we have large population, unfortunately, with large number of diseases. Therefore, the getting the data to be able to work on is easy. India's like low price Points. Therefore, these will be affordable solutions, which once we end up cracking it, we can actually take it globally to the world. That brings me to the other point that India, Indian solutions made in India for Indian cost with such complexity and diversity of population, climate, eating habits, even demographic differences in terms of the kind of uh, food that you eat is a great testing ground to develop solutions and take it to the world and we are already seeing that uh, mahesh i mean whether whether it's companies like ola which is which is like uber equivalent going into multiple other countries whether it is uh, startups like oyo uh, which is a hotel chain which is which is like uh, 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 a mid market uh, uh, hotel aggregator which doesn't own the hotels but Uh, it standardizes hotels, uh, has opened up in multiple countries in the world, now taken the OYO model developed in India for India uh, globally. So we have multiple companies like this solving problems for India and taking it abroad. Of course, we also have software as a service, SaaS companies which are developing software solutions, products out of India for the mid-market which again are applicable globally.
1: Oh, that's perfect. Um, Ganesh, uh, we'll take another short break and we will continue our discussion after the break.
3: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi.
0: This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. I have with me Ganesh from Growth Story, and we are having a very interesting discussion. In first two segments, we talked about how B2C or maybe from, uh, from farmers to the consumers and the food industry. And in second segment, um, we talked about a lot of stuff. But in the end, uh, Ganesh, we were moving towards how Indian startups are finding place in international market, having tested their products probably in one of the tougher environments, So uh, let's talk about it. What's the key to success for Indian companies, uh, Indian startups to get global?
2: Yeah, so Indian companies, if you see, look at it traditionally for the last 20 years, uh, India has established itself in the global markets as an IT services provider, uh, be it offshore and a bit of onshore software development or call centers or business process outsourcing companies, that has been well established. I mean, you would have recently heard uh, India start consulting services. TCS, which is the largest software company, actually uh, took over IBM in terms of market capitalization. Now, that's almost unthinkable that a services company uh, will uh, be able to overtake Big Blue. uh, uh, company like ibm in terms of market cap what that is, is what we had actually that is what we had actually seen but what is now happening is you are seeing platforms business models companies going out from india and establishing it outside in various geographies we have ola cabs which is uh, uber equivalent setting up in multiple multiple geographies including australia uk and other geographies we have had Oyo, which is a hospitality company um, setting up, uh, gone to London. going this. We have companies like PTM, which is a, a fintech company uh, entering Japan. It already clocked 10 million users in Japan. Okay, right? Now, again, this is very different than the previous generation of companies which used labor arbit- arbitrage, offshoring, lower cost in India to do work for developed countries. Nothing wrong with that but that is more as pure services model. Here we are talking about India, made in India brand going, going international. Still small but I see a lot of that happening because what's happening is the world has shrunk. In India now we have a lot of people who have worked in the Silicon Valley, people who have worked abroad, people have worked in top companies abroad coming back to India and settle that's one, one driver. The other driver is most of global tech companies are setting up in India their captive own development centers are their R&D units. Microsoft for example has got outside Seattle
3: perhaps the largest
2: R&D center in India. Similarly. Traditionally, you had Facebook, we have Google, we have um, Texas Instruments. You name the company, it has got a center here, Cisco. What it does is it develops local talent working in top U.S. tech companies sitting in India. So after they get the experience and the knowledge and uh, the methodologies, when they leave and they want to set up a startup, they are as good as anybody else in the world because they have worked in top companies and then they start companies in India which with their knowledge of the global markets because they work for Facebook, Google or Texas Instrument or Microsoft, they can actually develop products for the world markets. So that these two events, people coming back after working there and companies setting up their own R&D units in India and hiring thousands of people every company take Qualcomm for example take Broadcom for example Intel for example has got R&D people sitting in Bangalore Uh thousands of them thousands of them so that again was not possible earlier the reason why 25 years back we didn't have that this did not happen the only way we could do was go to companies in US and say hey man give me your coding jobs I can do your Y2K programming I can do your software development and I will do it at one-fourth the cost or give me your call center customer support jobs instead of you are hiring 200 people in expensive Manhattan, I'll do it in Bangalore, it'll be at one-fourth the cost. Nothing wrong. That's fine. That's a good value. But now we are saying I'm going to develop a product which will compete with a Microsoft product or a Facebook product sitting in India because the people who are going to, who are developing it are people who developed it for Facebook sitting in India. Or in Google, right? So that that is that has really made it possible for us to be able to do that.
1: I think that's that's amazing what you just said, and uh, and that has created that strong talent pool, uh, which can think way beyond, uh, which was earlier available to them. So you have uh, educated workforce, and that's where you can leverage your demographic dividend, and along with the opportunity and exposure. Yeah, and one thing is very fascinating, which you mentioned, Ganesh, is yes. Yeah, so in in India, um, it was labour arbitrage, and it was being looked at uh, uh, low cost product provider, which has changed now with the example of Paytm, which you mentioned. That's showing how the services and products being provided are at the highest end of value chain.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. In Japan, it's the most popular thing. Why would you not? Why would you? Why would you not? Uh... Use a Paytm product uh, in Japan. It's a matter of matter of pride that you developed it in India, and and by the way, these models are very unique to India. I mean, Paytm model doesn't exist worldwide. Oyo model doesn't really exist worldwide. So these are actually models or platforms developed in India, which is unique, which can be taken to other geographies, which I think is is is, is a is a great development. But having said that, i must also caution. This is all nice. There are severe challenges. While I have talked about people developing products, most of the people still are in the services sector because of the legacy. Uh, This is new. These are a few examples, but it is growing. Hopefully we need to have more of such business models emerge. More people should come out and start these businesses so that we can actually really become global. Then not just a few ones, but it's a great start. To some of the skills that are required to be global product winners, we inherently don't have in India because we have not focused on it. Those are areas that needs to be bridged. For example, we don't have very good design skills. Design thinking is weak in India. It's a lot more functional. That's perhaps true with the Asian mindset. If you see a Chinese app, for example, or a Korean app, or Indian app, you will it will not stand out for design. Okay, When I say design, if you look at Facebook, if you look at Twitter, if I look at Apple products, for example, they are beautifully designed compared to the Chinese product, or Indian product. So we need to have a lot more education and skilling in design thinking, bringing design thinking to all. So there are gaps in terms of skills that we need still to bridge. At scale, we need to bridge. But hopefully it will happen that.
1: Yeah, I think it is heading in that direction, as you rightly said earlier. That the 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 congruence of a lot of forces coming together, the innovation being at the forefront in the, in the mindset, and those large companies, global organisations, moving in there and, and getting that exposure, and getting them aligned. That's allowing the local talent to leapfrog some of the steps which otherwise they would have gone through school of hard knocks to learn. Yeah. So that's going to have and, and how do you see the the future of uh, um, the technologies which are emerging across the world, predominantly data analytics and then FinTech, then uh, a large focus on uh, artificial intelligence and the machine learning and the combination of all of it.
2: No, so I think what's going to happen increasingly is we are going to see a lot more personalization lot more niche, lot more focus on the individual as a consumer. So a lot of D2C direct to consumer brands and services will do it. Mass customization or making the product or service tuned for a target segment of one user. We will see a lot of those. Right. I'm not saying the existing brands will go away, but people relating to a large multinational, a traditional brand, which has spent billion dollars in R&D, which has spent billions of dollars in advertising and marketing, is going to go away. Like, like you saw the dollar-shaped uh, club, how it got acquired by Uniqlo. Okay. Right. What is that? That is D. That is D2C. Saying, okay, right, it would have been unthinkable 10 years back. The only way to build a brand is to build billions of dollars in R&D, multi-billion dollar in advertising marketing, pushing through the channels, having cut sweet deals with Walmarts of the world to be able to stock it. Okay, right, that's the way. Now, all that is out of the window. What's now? Direct to consumer. So you will see a lot of new brands coming up that will use the connection to the consumer directly it will use the fact that people are on social media they are very well aware they are reading about the product the millennial population is digitally native spends a huge amount of time on Facebook Instagram, Twitter Snapchat, they relate to their peer group advertising on billboards and televisions is not going to work because that's not what they are watching They are binging on Netflix and HBO and what, uh, Amazon Prime. So you need to relate to them in the platform they are in, which is social media and and these, and engage with them. Tell them a story of why they should use your brand or product. Appeal to their sense. Earlier, you could say that I invested in R&D. I mean, as an example, Hedge and Shoulders is the greatest shampoo because it's got this. Today they don't want. They don't want that. They want organically, no animal-tested products that contains the ingredients that will make your hair grow better. Right? And four of your friends are using it. Some influencers whom you look up to is using it. You have seen their feeds on their Facebook or their Snap. They have shared it. So, so they will buy. Not because they saw it on television. They don't want to buy what they saw on television. They are not even watching television. So I think you are going to see those changes happening, which means the traditional existing multinational companies need to start relating to where the consumers are watching, how they are getting influenced, what they are, how they are taking decisions. The whole thing has changed. So it needs new skills and capabilities for companies.
1: You're so right. It looks like that uh, not only the buying behaviors of uh, the millennials are different, but also the social media and technology is also influencing the change that how to accept product, how to pick a product beyond the personal preferences which are building individually because of the generation gap. That's amazing. Uh, Ganesh, we'll take a short break and we'll continue our discussions after the break.
3: For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi,
0: This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. And we are having very interesting discussions with Ganesh from Growth Story. Now you know why Growth Story is so successful. A clear focus on providing solutions to problems. And Ganesh, thank you for your insights in past three segments. Now, uh, let me ask you, we talked about startups. Now, how do you think the existing companies, the large companies you talked about in earlier segments, multinationals and all of them, how they used to go to market, what should they do? How would they survive in the current environment where uh, the startups are challenging them every day?
2: Yeah, so that's, see, that's a great, great question. They need, if they don't want to become exempt like dinosaurs, they really need to adapt and change. And that's not easy. Okay, right? I'm a startup guy. When you're starting with a clean slate, it's very easy to think of plans and start building it. It's it's almost like trying to uh, build a building from scratch or do a painting from a blank piece of paper. But if I give you a building, I ask you to change it, or you need to fix a painting that somebody else has drawn, it is very tough, okay, right? And the more successful you are, the bigger you are, the more tougher it is for you to change or adopt, just like the dinosaurs that we have that we have seen. So if you look at what they need to do, they need to uh, really transform. What is new if you look at it? Almost everything is new. In India, uh, direct-to-consumer has become big. There are 500 million smartphones with almost free data bandwidth. Consumers are watching two to three hours a day of vernacular video on their mobile or messaging. 150 times a person is checking their mobile phone in India today. So almost the entire behavior has changed. It's no longer about prime time TV programs, no longer about print. So all this will only accelerate. So these are changes that are happening in consumer, uh, consumers. So what can existing companies do? One, connect with consumers directly. What we call as D2C. They can scale the existing brand, create new brands. This is an opportunity to customize, to create niche brands. And use some of these trends that are happening. What are these trends? People are on their mobile phone. They are sharing. They are sending videos. They are, they are forwarding stuff. So use the network, use the sharing and virality of sharing that happens effectively. Use the platforms effectively, whether it's WhatsApp, whether it is Snap, whether it is TikTok, which is a rage in India from ByteDance, a Chinese company. Use all of this effectively to engage engage with the with the consumer, okay, right? And use that. They can definitely leverage their existing strength. They have warehouses. They have lot of. Current strengths, the strength of the brand, but they need to transform to be able to take it to the current audience with new consumer behavior in a different manner. How? I mean, take, take, if you take, for example, we have a company in the online jewelry space called Bluestone. Okay. Now, we have to do for the contemporary woman jewelry that is not clunky, that is contemporary, but show it on Instagram. Sell it through Instagram. In Instagram, they share. They notice, they like, they drive engagement. So, what do we do? Switch to content. Start with content, show engaging content, drive engagement, create a community, create a brand that stands for something organic, fresh, no animal tested. I'm just giving various examples that themes. And then, after you created a community, created a brand that stands for something, drive engagement, start with content, sharing then only introduce the product, which is very different than what traditionally people would have done with mass media, television and print advertising. Why? Because the millennial woman today, she wants to make a statement. She wants to share on social media. She wants to see what an influencer or celebrity is saying. She wants to connect with a cause. She wants to be unique. So companies has to come up with addressing all these needs of today's Mm woman. Change the consumer behavior to do it. There are several ways to do it, by the way, for existing companies, and we are already seeing some of them. This requires a different skill set, different kind of thinking and DNA within organized companies. You have seen Unilever acquire Dollar Shape Club, for example. Okay, right? Why did they pay a billion dollars to acquire Dollar Shape Club? That has been done so that you are able to get that. So, how are companies doing it? First, challenge the status quo you need a different metric than earnings per share or market cap to evaluate the new business models. It can be done by acquiring a killer startup, acquiring a founding team. Google did that with YouTube. Facebook did that with WhatsApp. Paid a huge amount of money, which at the time seemed unbelievable. Okay, right? And in India, companies like Reliance, for example, which is a top industrial company, is doing that by acquiring startups in the content space or in other spaces. Okay, acquire a startup or acquire a startup, empower them, don't integrate, let them lose. Or you can do by investing in startups, small amount and acquiring them later. There are also I have seen trends of accelerators, incubators set up by large corporates. We have a target, for example, from US has set up an accelerator. Airbus has set up an accelerator in in India. Indian groups like Aditya Birla Group, which is one of the largest groups, has set up something called Business Labs, which is an accelerator. The idea of accelerators and incubators is the large company gets to work with nimble startups and some osmosis takes place and it's a win-win for both. Essentially, whether you invest in a startup, run an accelerator program, acquire a startup, whatever you do, think different and act different because it needs a different level of thinking which a traditional company DNA will not be able to bring in. And that has been proved out in the US market, right? If you look at it, IBM did not start Microsoft. Microsoft did not start Facebook. Facebook did not start Twitter. Twitter did not start Snap. I can keep on going. Logically, if you look at it, each one should have been able to start the other with the kind of size and scale they had. It doesn't happen that way. I think that is what is required. And we are seeing, and unless they do that, they will become extinct, forget about succeeding. Uh, that survival is in question, if it's that. Because today the consumer behavior has changed. Your phone, your smartphone has become your television. Your smartphone has become your teacher. Your smartphone has become your doctor. You go to it for everything. Everything starts with the search. Everything is a smartphone. So that means I need to give you everything in smartphone. Even if I need to sell you a service. Even if I, if I want you to, want a lot of consumers to listen to this podcast. How do I need to do it? I need to be there on the smartphone. I need to make myself discoverable on the smartphone. Be able for them to single-click buy my podcast if I want to charge for it for a micro-payment on the smartphone. I need to be able to do that, and that is what big companies need to do.
1: I think you're so right, Ganesh. If you look at it, all all the startups are making so much of progress, and most of them you named. um, but if you see the conventional companies, uh, including large corporations like GE and many others, and they are facing uh, the disruptions of the highest order, and it's becoming a question of survival for them because of whatever reason it is.
2: No, absolutely. And and, and, and we have seen this in the bookstores in the U.S. and in India. So that has been a big, big challenge. Okay, right? right. Bookstores are shutting down. Traditional, traditional real estate based businesses are in trouble. People are moving towards aggregators and platforms. You have seen vis Airbnb, what's happening. You have seen with car ownership has given uh, given way to just using uh, Uber or on-demand services. Full-time traditional employment has given to rise to gig economy where people come together, do a work and then move on. So a lot of tectonic changes are happening in the way consumers are behaving. Big companies have to change. There is atomization of the firm. Large, 100,000 people, 10,000 people firm is, I think, going to become extinct. We are going to see firms be nimble, small, come together to deliver a project almost on demand. And it's possible today to do that, collaborate with people worldwide to do a project, to deliver something, and then get out.
1: That's perfect. I think uh, that, that's very nice, Ganesh, the way you put it. And we are almost coming to the end of uh, our program, just to summarize. Remarkable growth in startups in India in past five years. And uh, major factors probably consumerism, as I noticed, the digital revolutions. You talked about smartphones and uh, active number of internet users growing double-digit every year and almost hitting 500 million now, which is a big number and uh, a massive drop in the cost of data in the country, and also the abundant supply of tech talent, which needs to support this, and also there has been a lot of uh, inflow of foreign capital supporting it, and uh, with almost 20,000 startups and 5,000 in tech space, uh, it it is very thriving and contributing to the economic growth of uh, the country. And uh, as you also mentioned, the Y2K, so basically the tech boom of early 2000s, it supported it. And also, as you mentioned, uh, the IT startups, humble beginning in 80s, and eventually it has led to this exponential growth. And even government has become a facilitator, providing those opportunities uh, for uh, the startups to come together and grow. And now with uh, other global Advanced technology is also being played from the startups in India but beyond the uh, B2C, D2C to IOTs, machine learning and artificial intelligence, analytics, big data. All of it put, put together and still, uh, uh, as you mentioned, Bangalore seems to be still the number one destination, uh, followed probably by uh, some other geographies in India. So there's a lot of good news, a lot of unicorns coming in, a lot of uh, uh, startups in India going global also, a lot of global influence coming in, in terms of product development and other issues. So Ganesh, thank you so much uh, for a very exciting discussions today. Really appreciate your time.
2: Uh, Thanks a lot, Mahesh. Great speaking to you. Thank you.
0: you've been listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week.